love, kindness, human connection. These are some of the things we talk about on the Danny Painter Show. It's a thing. This show is intended for a more mature audience. We might sometimes say bad words. South African that I have a billion questions for legitimately. His name is Quinton Funderburg, and he is one of the youngest South African billionaires. So first things first, he's going to help us make a lot of money. But I think he's also going to teach us about discipline um, because I think that's what it takes to make a lot of money. And then also unpack entrepreneurship and this new project that he's working on that we're going to talk about. Firstly, Quinton, thank you so much for being on the Danny Painter Show. I'm really stoked to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I'm actually very excited about the conversation to come and to see what, um, you know, your uh, listeners can get out of it. So, yeah. I don't doubt we're going to take a lot from you because I've stalked you over the last couple of days preparing for this interview. And I used to stalk in the best possible way. And (laughs) I just think there is so much that we can learn from you. And I think if one person takes one part of your daily practice or part of your day or part of the things that you're putting into practice over a couple of days, I think that that could be absolutely life-changing because I think what we forget is you're just a normal dude, right? You're not superhuman. I mean, we all like to think we are, but you're still a normal dude with emotions and things that go wrong and you have down days and you have all of the same makings that the rest of us do. You just have figured out how to hack that and make it work for you. And I think that that's what I'd like to unpack, if that's okay. Definitely. I think perfectly stated. Um, you know, I meet a lot of people from around the world and have for many years. And you know, everybody thinks because you have money or success, there's something superior or something better about you than the next. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a false statement, to say the least, because... We all basically come from some background, um, obviously exclusionary to, you know, um, people that obviously inherited or trust funds and so forth. But, you know, what they make of it is, is, their, is their wish. And, and I'll say good, work, good luck to those people. I don't really dwell into, you know, what they do and, and how they do and how they spend their money. It's got nothing to do with me. So the, the point of departure for me is always just keeping in my lane, keeping very focused. Um, you know, my objectives always in the sense that, I don't know what happens in the outside world generally, um, which has been my my trick to success is that I don't dwell on 90% of the things that most people do that contaminate their minds or contaminate their thought process. And I think that's the biggest issue that with young entrepreneurs they get caught up in. Um, you know, my day-to-day agenda is, is very different to most people. When you say that, you know, you're working a nine to five or you're working from four to 10, there's a lot of very, very influential uh, spokespersons that We'll talk to this fact about the constant hustle that you've got to put in and yeah. constant mindset that you've got to have focused um, on positivity. And, and I think that positive energy rubs off on other people and positive, as you know, you've got to sort of wake up even if I don't feel good and I, and I feel like I don't really can't do this day. And, and everybody does because, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, you won't, probably won't have sleep or you mm-hmm. have little sleep. 
and you have uh, a lot of issues and doctors will prescribe things to you. And, you know, as you said earlier in your statement that, you know, we're not superhuman, but the mindset is everything. The mind controls everything else. And you've got to wake up with that mindset every morning and say, you know what, even though I don't feel good, I'm going to make myself feel good. And I'm going to make that positivity sort of project out of me so other people can see it. So then I can feed off back of them specifically in the corporate environments and people that work for you and stuff, they've got to see that, you know, the person who's the leader comes in with the right objectives and the right positive energy and trying to promote and build instead of coming in with a negative attitude, even although your world can be crumbling around you, um, you can't show that, you can't reflect that, you can't let people think there's doubts within your ranks. Yeah. And I think that's what I've mastered over the years is that I always will project that positive energy, wake up and make sure that I give it my best and you know what? I'll cry in my own time. I won't. I won't show that to anybody else. So. I've always said this: you cry in the car on the way home. You do not cry in front of people. You can have your breakdown as much as you want, but it's got to be on the N12. It cannot be anywhere else. Okay, Quentin, you, you you spoke a little bit about backgrounds, and I'm very intrigued as to what yours is. Where do you come from, and how did you find yourself in this entrepreneurial world? Um, background is interesting. You know, I grew up with a family, a middle-class family that was in business. My father was a very good businessman, um, but, you know, in his own field, um, owned a bunch of supermarkets and small companies and businesses. And I grew up with that understanding of, you know, the value of money. And, you know, when you have to, when you want something, you got to work for it and earn it. And, you know, we never got given anything for free. Um, so weekends where most kids would think that I come from a rich family as a child and as a youngster, you want to kind of project that because it's cool, you know, and unfortunately, we all have those, those flaws with, you know, it's the millennials that we live with today, you know, wanting the best watches, the best clothes and the best everything. But if I wanted it back in my day, I had to work for it and I had to work on weekends and count stock and count money. And I grew up with that mindset of having to really understand the value of every cent that I counted. And um, through that entrepreneurial background, I think I evolved into knowing exactly what I wanted to become. And I think that's uh, an interesting one because I just kept on evolving my talents on, on understanding money and understanding business, understanding thinking outside of the box and being creative. And, and that was from a very, very young age. I mean, I got kicked out of school for selling things. So, you know, that was, that, that's exactly who I am. I always, uh, I'm a little bit of a cowboy. Um, you know, I, I hustle any agenda, but I hustle within my within my means of being open and honest and trustworthy at all times. And I think that's another thing that that's very, very interesting about business is energy. You know, you can actually read someone's energy. You can see if it's positive. You can see if it's negative and you can see if they're out like lying. You know, you can see someone overplaying their hand and over hustling. And that's my talent that I can sit in a room with you within three minutes and say, it's a load of BS and I'm not entertaining it. So um, yeah, uh, I kind of don't engage with a lot of people these days because my business is very differently designed to the old days where I had to go out there and make it happen. And eventually just evolve within your own space. But my background comes from that. So it comes from an entrepreneurial family, um, you know, having to be uh, going into business at a very early age at 17, started my first companies, started understanding the, the, the value of money at a very young age, understanding what cash flows mean, understanding, you know, that you can have the best idea in the world. If you don't have money to back it, if you don't have cash to see it through, yeah. you might as well just stop right there because it's going to end up in failure. So there's a lot of things that I got taught the hard way, which now I can tell people in one conversation, don't go down that road. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
most people listen, some people don't come back in a year and say, geez, if only I listened. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, 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 that's on them. That's not on you. You've, you've shared your wisdom and how we take it is how we take it. But also maybe, maybe those people, people weren't ready. You know, it's all about timing. And I think you, you know, this as well, you can, you can put in the hustle and you can, you can do the things, but if you're not in the right place at the right time with the right person, with the right door opening, you know, all of these things have to fall into place. And this leads me to my next question. So we all want to see those six zeros in, in our bank accounts, right? We all want to one day that's, I mean, I'm manifesting the shit out of that at the moment. That's my thing. I'm just like working towards it and asking the ancestors and doing the things and putting the things in motion. But is that where you started or did you start? Because there are two thought processes to this, right? You should aim for the highest mountain and then wherever you fall is good. Or you should aim for the one that you want. And then once you get there, then you can aim higher. What were you manifesting at 17? Like, what was the, the goal? So, you know, obviously st sticking with what my capacity was, you know, contracting, you know, trying to get contracts within Eskom and supply chain and having to buy products from big distributors into, you know, government contracts and stuff. You know, you kind of like find the gap within conversations of people and you eventually find that synergy and you find the business that you integrate into. I think a lot of things in my career happen to just be, as you stated, right time, right place. You know, um, I couldn't have reinvented it if I tried, you know, so you couldn't write a book on it. I couldn't advise you. I couldn't say this is what you need to do right now because I would be false in my statement because I wouldn't understand the field that you're trying to evolve into. Every one of them is going to have a great success um, and success stories, you know, in every field you can imagine today, from pharmaceuticals to food to name the different aspects of, of career paths that people take these days. There's, there's masters of all of those fields and there's secondary, third, fourth largest companies in those fields. And there's people doing very well out of subcontracting out of those fields. And I always say it depends what field you choose, right? So the advice of, of today is look where the money's going, you know, follow the money trail. And, 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 you know, if you can understand that, there's enough economists, there's enough people, there's enough things you can Google search, um, there's enough things where people are talking about where the, where the, where the economies are going, where, where business is going, where money's being invested, and, and that's where people really need to put their fo core focus on. Um, obviously, there's my opinion, there's the now, which is obviously survival, is what pays the bills, what can pay the bills, which is your day-to-day -day job. And then obviously it's your midterm to long-term plan, right? And obviously putting that into action and believing so heartedly in the fact that you're going to execute on that. And if you do have a full-time job, it just means that if you're working from seven to four and you have all those gaps in between where most people take cigarette breaks, most people take specific things to go and, you know, have a longer lunch and talk crap in the office or do certain things, you know, apply yourself if you really want to apply yourself and work those hours and after hours to get your midterm plan executed and your long-term plan executed. So it's utilizing the hours within the day to get it done in, in the right time periods that you want to sort of evolve your career because you don't want to be stuck at just the now, right? You don't want to be stuck in just paying the bills. And so many people want to believe that they can become millionaires, billionaires, but the belief is, is a little bit more difficult to explain to people of what sacrifice that's going to take to get there. And, and obviously, we're not all going to get there. So it's, it's also a sad reality that I, li I like to talk about because so many people talk about entrepreneurship and everyone's going to become an entrepreneur. I agree to disagree. You know, the fact is that in a corporate environment, you could have an, an entrepreneurial company, 
So which means you have, yes, the boss of the company and you have owner structures and you have shareholding structures and you have hopefully profit structures, but I can have an entrepreneurial lawyer, I can have an entrepreneurial accountant. You know, they're not all going to own accounting firms. They're not all going to own a legal firm. Mm. It's a dream, of course, of most people going through their careers to say they're going to, but I think it's a false statement to make a false belief in people that they're all going to become these self-made millionaires and billionaires. The world cannot operate like that. It just yeah. cannot operate like that. Yeah. If you just look at basic 101, everybody needs a workforce. You know, every company needs a workforce. There's going to be people working within those ranks and hopefully working for the right person that can evolve them into entrepreneurial thinking that can hopefully manage their own divisions and, and apply themselves to develop their own career and make themselves worth the money they want to earn one day. You know, they can put that money away. So I'm a strong believer in entrepreneurial companies and evolving people within those ranks to own their own sort of place in that company that makes it worth them to earn the kind of money that they can hopefully retire off one day. This is a great answer. I needed to hear this. And I think many of us needed to hear this. Um, circling back to, you were speaking about hustle culture and wearing badges of burnout as, as these proud things that we show our friends. Surely that's not great, right? That there is, there is, there has to come a point where positivity is actually rather negative. And you were speaking of always showing up and always being present and always being on for the people that you work around and the people that look up to you. There has to be a point where they, where they see that it's not all sunshine and roses. Um, and there has to be a point where even Quinton van der Berg takes an afternoon and binge watches something, right? Incorrect. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, I've never taken a holiday in, 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 since I was 17. I've not taken a holiday where I've not had my mobile phone on me. Uh, I've not had to answer calls and I've not had to micromanage uh, most situations. Wow. So I don't know what it's like to have a holiday where I switch my phone off for one week and I don't answer it and I, don't, I come back and see what's, what's progressed from there. Um, I've always been OCD type character when it comes to that because I believe in my own strengths and I've always believed in my own abilities. And it's not always the fact that everyone is the same, right? And I don't need them to be and I'm not trying to ask everybody to be the same sort of discipline and principles and everything else. We all are our own type of, um, you know, people and how we want to operate our lives. Some people enjoy nine to five. Some people like their leisure time. Some people like their holidays and their family time and everything else. You know, I've, I've been born and bred into being an entrepreneur and a businessman and to provide. And as long as I'm, you know, sort of going through my career path, I've evolved past the point of thinking about money, um, about providing and changing and about hopefully leaving a legacy that you can, you know, be proud of. You know, it's the fact that we run multiple foundations and we'll get into that just now. But, you know, I want everybody to do well in my company. I want everyone to do well around me, everybody that I care about, you know, so... It comes with that um, aspirations of, of wanting better for the world um, that comes back to you in some way or form. I don't know why things have happened the way they have for me. You know, I've had three major um, mess-ups in my career and to the point where I've almost lost it all. And, um, you know, for me, it wasn't about looking at why it happened or who did it to me or why they're doing it to me. It was more so about, you know what, I know my abilities to rebuild myself and instead of spending 90% of my energy worrying about how to get the loss back or how to resolve the fact that somebody's trying to come after me or do something destructive, I wouldn't put my energy there at all. I'm not even 10% of my energy. I would say I've lost it. 
it's gone, hand it over to the relevant people to hopefully manage and hopefully collect some of it or to pick up the pieces, but spend 200% now spending my time into rebuilding what I lost. And the, the, the good part for me that's always come out of that is that the success of that has always been twice or twice as big as what I could have expected the next round that I went into because of that focus and that ability to say, you know, I don't want to be back in that position again. I don't want to have, you know, scraping by and having to cover bills and worry about those things because it's, it, it, it sucks. It's not, it's, not, it's not good at all, right? No one likes to be knowing that how you're going to cover your bills at the end of the month is going to be a problem and more so how you're going to pay a, a full workforce yeah. um, that depend on you. So, you know, the, the dependence there is that, you know, you, you as the, the CEO or a, or a boss of a company has to keep cognizant of the fact that people that are looking up to you for that stability. And that's why I say I walk in with a positive attitude. Even if someone's taking me for a lot of money, I dwell in that for a very few amounts of days or hours and then I'm over it. I'm done. Like I know how to compartmentalize. I know how to just say, you know what? That's what it was. There's nothing I can do about it. It's done. Yes, people can spend five years in court and trying to fight it and trying to do certain things. And all that energy and all that time after five years, if you don't come right, you're exactly where you were five years ago, yeah. which means nowhere. And I'd rather pick up that next day and go, you know what? This is done. It's over. Like I've lost X amount of money and someone's taken it or I, I was in a bad situation. But now tomorrow, how am I going to double that? You know, I'm, I'm going to do even better and I'm going to prove a point. The worst thing for me, well, the worst thing for anybody that's challenged me in business and tried to go after my companies is fueling me. Because once you do that, it's, it's, it's like a monster comes out, like in a, in a good way, not in a negative way. But I'm just more aggressive. I'm more passionate. I'm more about them trying to prove a point and say, you know what, bring it on. Let's go. Um, and I won't fight you. I'll just show you. You know, it's a much better way of proving to people than going to shut your mouth off to say, this is what I'm going to do back to you or threat, threaten people. It's not, it's not a good trait. So I enjoy the challenge, basically. These are incredible life lessons and all of this encompasses everything that I've always said, you know, holding on to these grudges hurt you more than it hurts anyone else. And the only way that you can go now is forward, whether that's with the contract you've lost or the the job opportunity that's gone or the house or whatever the relationship you can, this encompasses so so much of of humans. Right. Um, And I think we're all, we're all, we have this tendency to want to hold what is ours, but when you let go, you make space for so much more. And so let's talk, let's, let's talk about COVID for a minute, right? So COVID hit the world, and I think pretty much everybody was in turmoil. Um, 50% of the industry was lost globally, you know. And But you look at the positive spin-offs of that is that it reinvented the entire market. It was pretty much starting blocks for everybody. And, you know, if you didn't see the opportunity within that, you could have gone, oh, my God, I've lost my job. I've lost my company, I've lost this, I've lost that. And all the time that you've been complaining to your friends and complaining to your, everybody that's part of your life, no, how am I going to now get myself back off my feet tomorrow and go and pick up the pieces? I did my best. If, well, basically, I, I built my business during COVID probably 200% more than I have any other year. Wow. And only because I was sitting in one place and my head was spinning so much about 50 different directions I could have gone in. And I just put that focus entirely into work. And, you know, I've got, for instance, I've got a gym at home. 
And usually I find the time to train in the mornings, train in the evenings. During COVID, I didn't find time to train even, and it was at my house. And because I was so focused and nagging everybody to get these businesses going, because I was so focused during that time, because I knew the world was in turmoil. I knew it was, listen, either you pull your socks up and, and you stop the bullshit of complaining and worrying about that stuff and build as much as you can. Yes, you've lost a year. Yes, you've lost what you built. Yes, there's a lot of things you could have lost, but no one cares. Yeah. No one cares. You can tell your story to a million people. No one's they're going to say, oh, my God, that's sad. It's, it's terrible. Also, me. Their conversation is lost by the time they've left your conversation and they don't think about it much besides saying, oh, my God, did you know that they're down and out? That's terrible. Great gossip, great talking. And you know what? As much negativity you put out there, people love to feed off that gossip and love to feed off the negativity. And that's why those people are where they are. You know, you got you to stop the negative aspects of your train of thoughts on a day-to-day basis. And if there's somebody in your environment, maybe a friend, maybe a family member, maybe whatever, I'm sad to say this, get rid of them because, you know, at the end of the day, it instills more negativity and it just makes you go around in a circle. The minute somebody says anything negative to me, I shut them down within seconds. And I said, listen, I'm not interested. I don't want to talk about it. It's not my business, firstly, what Joe Smo is doing and what they're up to and what they've lost or what they've gained. I said, I'm focused on what I'm doing. And that's what's been my, 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 literally my success model has been I stick in my lane and I see a red target there and I really don't even know half the people's names in South Africa. I don't know the success stories. <laughs> I don't know the CEOs of big Fortune 500 companies and I don't want to know them. No. I don't. What does it matter to me? What does it help? Unless it's part of my core business of what I'm focusing on, I don't want to know these people because what does that, what does that help contaminating your thoughts or your process of what other people are doing mm. versus what you're doing? Understand? Unless it's got something to, to, uh, to directly impact on your business or what you're trying to develop, sure, understand your market, what you're doing, what, what other people are doing in your market to progress. But the 90% of the rest of the market, dump it. doesn't matter to you. It, 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 it won't evolve you. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. This dude, I could speak to you forever, but we have to, I have to like hurry this along because I know that yeah. you're a busy man. Um, last question about you yourself, and then we'll jump into your project and, and your foundations that you work with, because I think what you do is absolutely incredible. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your daily practices because you don't get to where you are as a human being in business, in life, in, I mean, you seem good, right? Mentally, physically, uh, business is good. You don't get there without certain daily practices. And these practices over time, and I think this is what I'd like to highlight here, is that the small things that you do on a da- on the daily are the things that are going to edge you closer to the goal at the end. So what are the practices that you instill in your everyday life that you feel benefit you the most in your business? So, I mean, are you referring to how I start my day and finish my day and how that program works? I mean, it's obviously being very structured, right? And and I think that discipline is everything in business, whether it comes from personal health to fitness to keeping yourself, you know, focused on the small things. Like, let's go to training, for instance. I've never missed a day of training since I was 17 years old. Not a day. I've had two, I've been in two major car accidents. Um, The next day I was still in the gym because I just had to feel I had to go and just be in that energy because something about it made me tick, right? And it made me feel good. I don't need to be a bodybuilder, but I want to feel good within myself. You know, so as long as you're doing that and you feel that, that's the first practice for me, whether I feel good energy or bad energy, you know, in the sense that how I feel within myself and how I feel presenting myself. So even during COVID, I would have got dressed up. 
you know, I didn't have that instilled laziness of not having to look after myself and making sure that I'm always practically represented properly and I feel good about myself. I don't need you to, you to say that to me. I'm just feeling good about myself, you know. So within that is where my positive energy comes from, is from my diet, my training, and then practicing the fact of making sure I know what everyone's doing. I go through that literally in the morning and I have to schedule with there's 20 managers. I need to know what 20 managers are doing. And I don't do anything by, I don't write anything down. So there's another thing that you might get shocked by. I don't have a diary. I've never written a thing in my life. I don't have a computer and I've never had to. Yeah. So you want to know how I got there? Yeah. Everything's been. So I trained myself from a very early age to put everything in my head. So almost like a photographic memory. I can look at something very quickly on financials, find the problem, find the issue uh, where people have spent hours on. So it's just something that I am gifted by. But it's something that the reason why I got in trouble in school as well is that because I refused to take school books and I refused to write things down and I wrote my exams and I did fine. You know, so it was one of those things where I, I just schooled myself with the numbers and trading. And through that, I remember every single number. You know, I remember every single conversation and I remember every single thing that's presented to me. That's why my management is so nervous giving me anything is because they know <laughs> yes. that... And then that's, and that's the problem is that I don't sleep because of that. So it is a bad trait because the problem is writing something down releases you of that. I get that. I've been actually told, write it down. So you've got it in your diary. You can go through it. And the next day you've got to go through that and say, I've got to do X, Y, and Z. Well, the, the sad part is I don't like that and I've never done it. And unfortunately, I've, I've never been able to change my traits. But the good part is I'd never forget anything. So that just keeps going around in my head. I'll actually say random numbers at dinner. I'll be repeating them in my head just because I want to go over them. And, you know, someone will say to me, are you okay? Are you thinking about something? I'm like, <laughs> yes, I am. And, you know, so, it, it's, yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very weirdly constructed like that. And it's a unique sort of trait. And, and it's a bad one for your health because you kind of, you know, you keep thinking about everybody's responsibilities and what they've got to do. And I'll phone everyone in the morning saying, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? And they'll say, oh, shit, haven't got that done yet. Okay, well, can you do that? So I think that was just a little bit of an interesting insight into the reasons that why I am sort of having to have a very healthy lifestyle because on the one side, it's unhealthy to my brain and my body, and I have to keep that up, right? So otherwise, I'll be destroyed you know, having to have IVs twice a week and having to, you know, discipline myself on just getting energy like that, it's difficult. Yeah. So, yes, I'm very structured, very disciplined. I go through my agendas every day and, and I'm happy to do that uh, on a daily basis, seven days a week. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm learning. I mean, I'm learning. I'm struggling with discipline. I struggle with discipline. I always have. But um, it's, it's, it's never been a problem for me. And this, I think, is the beauty of human nature, right? Some of us, there are people like you who thrive. And there are people like me who hustle so hard. There are three computers in front of me. I have a whiteboard there with a to-do list. Like, I write everything down. And we both get things done. Um, yeah. You're somewhat more successful than I am. But, you know, we're, we're, like, we're not comparing. Um, no. Quentin, if, if, if there were two things that I could take from your day to make my day better, obviously movement, right? We need to be moving our bodies. And what is the second thing that is a non-negotiable daily practice for you? She's okay. The moving part was interesting. Yeah. So obviously keeping on a move, but daily, daily discipline for me, like I come back to the word structure, 
you know, I have to know that I've got a specific agenda on a day-to-day basis and that I'm going to be applying myself to the maximum hours to get that job done. So I don't do that. I never leave the office or leave what I'm doing um, until it's done. You know, and that's the, the sad reality of, you know, some, some of my businesses are hurry up and wait. So that discipline kind of has to take mm. a different train of thought. But generally, the task of the day is to get the job done. And, and don't, don't finish and don't put your books down and don't put your pen down and talking advice to other people until you do. You know, I hire people on that discipline. You know, I ask them the very, very trick, or it's a trick question I would ask them, is what's your working hours? What, what would you like <laughs> your working hours to be? And, you know, a lot of them would answer eight to four, you know, nine to five. And right there, they just made the mistake because you should be saying anything to get the job done until any time the job must get done. You know, I'm here at any given hours, but I'm not asking you to stay till eight, eight nine o'clock at night. I'm asking you just to stay until you get your job done, yeah. you know, and, and that discipline is what a, a lot of people lack is tomorrow's another day. I'll pick up then. And then tomorrow's another day. I'll pick up then. And before you know, the week's gone and nothing's happened. So you have to practically put yourself into some sort of discipline to start doing that for yourself. Otherwise, you're never going to get ahead. Mm. It's just going to be a circle for you and an ongoing circle for you. I'm so grateful to you for saying that. I'm playing this clip for all of my friends when they come for me for dinners and stuff. And I'm like, can't, working, can't, working, Saturday, working, can't do it. And people don't understand. There are some of us in this world that are capable and very able to work through 24 hours a day um, without a break. And I mean, you haven't taken a holiday since you were 17, which for some people is unhealthy. For some people, it's not. Can I ask you a question? Oh. Why are we doing it? Why, why is it so important for people today to hustle, people to put 24-7 in, people to practically want to build themselves now and, and, and sort of go away from that instilled sort of culture of I'm okay right now? Why is it so important for this new generation and the current situation in the economy for people to out-hustle themselves? I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak for myself as an elder millennial. So I actually don't have an opinion, according to the young ones. Um, It's how I was raised, Quinton. I'm from a Jewish background. My grandparents owned the longest um, electrical wholesalers in Brackpan in our small town where I grew up in. It was around for 45 years, and it was a a six-day-a-weeker, and I spent school holidays packing fuses and and doing all of the things. And um, sorry, that is my mother, but we're back again. and I think that that instilled in me, even though there was money in my family, I don't come from no money. I, I'm very privileged. There was always a sense of if you want a car, one must work for one's car. I'll sign surety for you, but you're paying for that car. And there's no 50 rand here and there for petrol. If you want to go and party with your friends, you're going to have to have be responsible enough to not drink and drive in your own car with your own petrol money. And, and it's all on you. So I think that that's where my hustle culture comes from. Um, there is no end. And also my grandfather, which is problematic, I think, to a point. He always used to say, the, mon- the minute I stop working, I'm going to die. And he did. So now I think it's it trauma, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You, know, you know, I think the most important part for me is, you know, understanding what we just came out of now. So COVID, I think, hopefully taught a lot of people a lot of lessons, you know. The fact that you don't need a watch, you don't need a new car, you don't need a lot of things, right? All you needed was food, water, and a roof over your head in basic aspects to be able to pay for that. And 
you know, it taught a lot of people that the expenditure and wasting money and today's culture of today is okay, tomorrow will be fine, and next month will be fine because I'm getting a paycheck. The reason why I asked the question, it's so important that I, that I really want people to know this, is the reason why they've got to put more hours in today, practically apply themselves more than they've ever had to before, get out of that culture of laziness, put the extra hours in for their families and everyone else around them, is because we're entering a time where it's going to become so much more difficult to make money. And if you look at the way that the world's going with evolution of medicine and everything else, we're going to live for a very long time. Yep. Now, you've got to ask yourself this question. Are you happy working for a company, for a salary, and for a job? And think about this for a second. What's going to happen when you're 70 and 80 and 90 years old, when you are still going to be practically walking around like a normal person with modern-day medicine? Are you happy to get a second-graded job working behind a pick-and-pay till because you're going to work till the day you die? Mm. Do you want to work till the day you die? Or do you want to work today to give it everything you can while you're able to when you're young? And put that money away, hustle, make more, hustle, and make as much as you can that hopefully when you reach that age, you can have somewhat of a life to say, I don't have to work like a slave in my later days of old age. Mm. And that's something that you really got to take home and think about because it's a sad reality that you might not think is important. Yeah. But think about that day, how quickly it's going to come for you. And wouldn't you have rather have just saved Put that money away where you're wasting it right now and spending it on good times. I'm not saying don't have good times, have it within reason, yeah. but out hustle yourself, out going to the market. It's going to become so much tougher to compete in the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah. The millennials are going to come out with a lot of great things and challenging the older uh, sort of crowd like us as to technology and otherwise. What's going to happen? Mm. The smarter, the richer are just going to get better. Yeah. And the people will be left behind or those people that have got that instilled culture to say, I'm happy. I'm just happy. I'm happy with what I've got right now. But that's not going to work. With hyperinflation, with all the things that are happening in the world, you've got to know there's writing all over the wall. There's going to be a war that's going to come for food shortages and water like we saw in South Africa recently. Mm -hmm. And that's just the starting blocks for the world. Now, you've got to ask yourself, are you prepared the next time that happens? Yeah. Are you prepared with enough tucked away that you can say, hey, if something goes wrong for three, four, five months, good. am I okay? Yeah. You know, so that's all I can give as advice to people is that they need to take a wake-up pull on this and go, you know what, do something about it. I'm very interested. Uh, I would love to have another conversation with you about the water situation because I've been doing some research after I watched a movie uh, about a year ago and um, where everyone's money is going at the moment. And I think that that's where we should be looking. Um, where, where investors are investing is, is where we should be worrying. But before we worry, um, you are not yes. all hustle, hustle, money, 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 work, work, work. You also give back. And there is a quote, and I'm going to read it because it's really, I, I liked you the minute I read this. I was like, you're a good person. Um, it's not about the money that you have. It's about what you give away. And I've paraphrased that terribly. But what is that quote? So it's, it's, it's really what um, I, I believe in, in, in my life. It's not about the money that you make or what you accumulate and it's about what you give back and in society and really it's what you leave as your legacy you know as what as a man specifically what are you proud about about your current affairs of being successful and is it about money for you or is it about change for you is it about making positive impact and doing good things with your money 
you know, everyone can judge you in accordance to say that you made a lot of money, you've got it, how can you even talk like that? You don't know what struggles are. And it's like, we've been over that. I've struggled. I don't need to go there. Like I was in London with a thousand pounds when I started my career, sharing a house with 14 guys. I've slammed it. Don't <laughs> worry. So I didn't come from a trust fund. I wasn't handed money and I had nothing when I started. So don't lecture me on that. You know, the fact is I wasn't even allowed to be in London when I was there. I was illegal. You know, so I had to open bank accounts through friends. There's always a gray area. There's always yeah. a way to do things. Yeah. So let's park that for a minute. But, you know, my, my upbringing was, was one of being Christian, firstly. Secondly, my mother taught me, you know, to go out on Saturdays and Sundays and sleeping bags and food and stuff. And I always, you know, envisaged when I was young to become a pastor and actually give back. And I was, you know, I was very learned on the Bible and I sort of studied it and, and I was well-educated and obviously getting to know other cultures, other religions, I got to study them too and not to say that anyone's wrong um, in this world. And I don't believe that for a second. Uh, I believe there's being a good person and being as, as good as you possibly can. Uh, and I say that, um, you know, with all due respect, we all have our flaws, we all, have, all make mistakes and no one's perfect. I don't care who you are. And through that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that just need that helping hand. And it, it bleeds me to know that, you know, what I've been involved with, I've seen it firsthand. I get involved in every activation myself. And, and it's heartbreaking to say the least that the world is this flawed, you know, it's this broken that, you know, we can, we can recreate funds for all the wrong reasons, but we can't create funds to redevelop countries mm -hmm. and to self-sustain those countries and to build water sanitization systems and grow houses and stuff that everyone can sustain in a green way. You know, these technologies were out 20 years ago. You know, the fact that, sorry to say, big oil and everything else has controlled things up until now. And, and I might be a hypocrite when I say that because I'm in coal, right? But there's a, there's a green version to coal too. And there's a lot of things that people don't understand about that. Also Tesla, for instance, where people talk about green energy and driving battery operates at cars. Well, go look at the fact stats on that too, because you don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, both sides have an argument, but I'm just saying to you that we have the technology to save a lot of people. We have the money in, in, the, in the world banks to actually create funds for that, yeah. but we don't. So, you know, world population talks to, you know, conspiracy theories and things like that about COVID and various things like that. I, I don't want to go there because, you know, that, that's a debate many people can have. Um, I'm, I'm just basis of we have the means within ourselves as human beings to change this world. Yeah. And even if we're changing it for one person on a day-to-day, -day, that's fine. It's in a small capacity or other. You know, if you're going to be a greedy soul and a greedy heart, just know what's coming your way. You know, I don't need to warn you. I don't have to threaten you. I'm just saying that's who you always will be. And that's what your life will become. You know, unfortunately, I've, I've been greatly gifted by the things that have come my way by the grace of God, because I believe that I've always wanted good for people. And that's truly in my heart. It truly is. You know, as much as business goes wrong at times and you work in a very different world in big corporate business versus that world, you know, that they kind of contradict each other in a very yeah. big way. Yeah. But I have to be able to put a line in the sand and go, that's my one life and this is my other life. And I've always split it up quite evenly to say that as much as I get, I'm going to put back on the other side to see how much I can give. Yes, I live a good life. Yes, I live an amazing life. And every time I wake up in the morning, trust me, I feel guilty for that life. You know, why me? Why do I have what I have? Why am I blessed with the opportunities that come my way? Yeah. You know, and maybe that answer is within that answer already is because of the greatness and goodness that I give back to people 
that comes back to me. And I'm not saying that you can teach that or put it in your life to say, oh, I'm going to start doing that. No, you either got to believe it in the goodness of your heart and you are that person or I can't help you. You know, that's, that's just who you are. And, and unfortunately, um, I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm just saying, you know, be a good person and, and you'll be amazed what comes back your way through life. You know, there's a, there's a beautiful saying. I always say that it's, I say it like it's mine. It's not, I don't know who, who said it, but giving is inherently selfish because you get more than what you give within yourself. Right. And the more you give, yeah. the more you get, and the more it uplifts you. So the more you give, the better you're going to be as a human being. Now you, you give a lot. Um, and you have many, many foundations and charities that you work with. And you've just re released a coffee table book with some of the biggest names in Hollywood. Um, if you ever speak to Brad Pitt, tell him I'm here. Like I'm wait I've been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, your coffee table book is uh, it's photography and it's called 100 Making a Difference. Now this ties into one of your foundations. And um, I'd love for you to tell me about the book and uh, the reason behind it. Okay, great. So, I mean, look, the book wasn't my brainchild. Uh, it was a world-renowned photographer called John Rousseau. Mm -hmm. um, his whole business, uh, obviously, of photography world was shooting A-list celebrities. So he would only shoot the top celebrities in the world. And I think he came across the idea of, you know, obviously, when you're on set with these people, they talk about what they do. And I think the idea sort of stemmed from there that they all have foundations, what a lot of people forget is that some of the biggest celebrities in the world, although they don't talk about it, they are backing something for goodwill. And why, why not? They have, you know, the credibility and names that can bring attention to those foundations and causes around the world. So they're doing their parts, they're putting their energy into it, and they really are bringing awareness to specific foundations around the world. And obviously, I came across John through doing a shoot with him in, in Las Vegas, actually. And we got to speak about this book idea and what he's putting together. And it kind of like just grew from there. He said, Kunin, like, I really want you involved in this. And, you know, I want you to write the forward. And I want you to be involved in the foundation side of it because I know how passionate you are about it. And I loved it from the minute I heard it. I was like, John, I'm in. Like, I'm done. Like, we're talking about 143 foundations here. I said, this is an amazing story. And, and he went on about who was in the book. And, you know, then we obviously, he still carried on shooting them over eight years, by the way. So, oh, wow. like, you know, The Rock's in there and Elton John's in there and, and um, Oprah's in there. And the names go on and on and on. Like, uh, when you see the research on the book, 100 Making a Difference, you'll see all of the amazing people in this book. And collaterally, if you talk about their social media reach, I think it's 1.6 billion people. Wow. Um, who are just wow. on this. That's pretty much the world populace that's on social media follow these people right. and obviously their foundation. So it was really a big thing for us to get into. And, you know, it took us two years from the time we were supposed to launch before COVID, we were supposed to launch this coffee table book. And for us, it was something that you could, you know, sort of buy, uh, put it on your table. That's what's called the coffee table book. Something that could look good. And you can look through all the foundations and the goodwill and hopefully give you inspiration to what these celebrities and these people were giving their time and attention and money to sort of help communities around the world. So the idea behind the book was to elevate that for myself, having four foundations in South Africa, is that it really was exciting for me to now get behind more foundations, but more so bringing attention to those foundations. So what we're really about to do over the next year is we actually just did a soft launch. We're about to do the major launches in the next two to three months. Um, the book will be available in multiple bookstores around the world and all the proceeds, not some, all the proceeds go to these foundations. 
So it is a truly authentic foundation-driven book that's buying the book, that money will go to those foundations. So you're buying a book with your favorite celebrity in it, you can read about their story or stories, and you can keep it and say, if anybody ever asked you, you know, what is that? So, well, you know, that's my part that I gave back to these 143 foundations, and it's a really great cause. And it's a good talking point, and it's a great sort of initiative for anybody to get behind and say, well, how do I get involved? How do I put money in? So it's like, just buy the book. Just buy the you book. Know, buy the book. Buy the book, you know, read the stories. It's a fantastic sort of collector's item to have. And yeah, uh, that's why I got involved in it to basically bring global awareness. I think that's incredible. Also, one day that reach, wow. Imagine having that kind of that kind of platform, the good that you can do and the messages you can get across. It's absolutely incredible and insane. You know, can't think you of know, that. Change comes through that, right? So all your glow, like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio talking about green energy and, yeah. you know, about the world that's been destroyed. And there's millions of people that listen to him. And if you look at the combined aspect of this book, you know, having a, a social media reach of 1.6 billion people, you know, the potential of that is immense that we can get a message out to the world. You know, that now's the time for change. Now's the time to help and to give. You know, during the biggest crisis the world has ever seen, one of them in today's generation, you know, that we've got to pay attention to the people that are sitting at home, that are sitting on the streets. No one's really out anymore giving the five rands, 10 rands, $1, $10, whatever economy or country you're sitting in right now. You know, there's a real problem. And, and people are just brushing it off because they've got their own issues, right? We're all trying to survive and trying to pick up our own pieces, but we're so channel vision, you're right, on that, on that aspect, we forget that these people have nothing. nothing. You know, South African grant just got given saying that we're going to give 350 rand to those people sitting at home. That's $20. Look at the world stats on that. That's not even $1 a day, you know, that our government's giving to people. That's not even a loaf of bread a day. So, you know, it's dismal to say the least. It's sad to say the least. And, you know, I, I don't know where it's going to go from there if we don't all start helping and doing our parts by bringing attention to the disabled and, and disability of the poverty side of the world. You know, it's, it's disabled. It's, no one's looking at it. No one's assisting. And it's crippled right now, more so than it ever was before, before COVID. Quinton, do you truly believe that we can bridge that gap and make it a little bit better? Because I know that there is a thought that it's, it's always just going to become a bigger and a bigger divide. Do you truly believe that we can change it? And my, at my utmost, uh, uh, yeah, geez, it's, it's, it's hard to answer that question because the all honesty, if you look at statistics, you know, the divide's going to become bigger, definitely. You know, the rich are going to become richer and the poor will become poorer, specifically the way the new world's designed. Mm. You know, if you just look at modern technology that's been instilled into basic retail, where they no longer need five or ten people to work in stores or have automated computer systems to do that, What's going to happen to the general populace and average families and average people in those jobs? You know, so there's a divide coming. Wake up. You know, so it's, 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 it's really, that's what I said to you about before. If you don't see the writing on the wall, you need to now start hustling to start getting your place in that world, right? But then it comes a problem that, yes, I think we can bridge some of that gap. And it's all about the people that have got that money or that sort of, you know, power to change to give back and to put programs in place and to put sustainable programs in place that can help communities. For instance, when we do water wells, you know, we design, we, we look at areas where you can help people for 20 years. It's a sustainable water solution. I'm not dumping off water bottles for a month or helping them with a drop off of water. You know, we're looking for sustainable solutions. And that's my motto in life is I don't want to just help you for a day. 
I want to help you for life. And I never tackle a story unless I can do that. Maybe that's the wrong way to think about it, but I truly believe in helping people for a lifetime. When I help people with the financial crisis and obviously the acts of generosity, where I actually, you know, help average families or people that have lost things, I try and pick them back up. And that's a whole year program for me, by the way, to help them out of financial debt, to make sure that they can sustain themselves again, get a job, make sure they can cover their homes and their families and their schooling. And those are kind of things that, yes, that's a once-off family, once isolated situation. I think that everybody within their, within the average middle class to upper class can sort of assist somebody, but more so looking at governments and looking at what we can do across borders where we can do sustainable sort of um, grow houses and sustainable water programs. And that's what I don't understand what hasn't happened yet. You know, it's kind of like the United Nations climbs in, they'll climb into a place for a month or two and then run away yeah. and, and then, you know, leave those people exactly where they started. Yep. You know, there needs to be more sustainable programs implemented around the world to help poverty-stricken places. Okay, so this might be a big question. You can come back to me, but what can we as an average citizen do in asking our government? What are we asking the government? What are we saying? Okay, this is what we want. We'll, 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 we'll tackle the rest of the shit later. But right now, this is what we want as a people to help our impoverished communities. So I think more regulations uh, are required and regulatory sort of processes on how we do that because I think the biggest problem is the major funds are distributed, but where they go is I can't answer that question and I'm not prepared to say that I, that I think it's, it's been squandered. Um, you know, I, I truly believe that just more tighter regulations on how we put these programs into place and how we help these communities. I go out to areas where schools and stuff were promised four years ago, five years ago, yeah. upliftments. Okay, new development of schools and school equipments and things like that. And those, those monies were deployed. So, you know, I can't answer the question for government how you regulate that. Or as a people, do we have a big enough voice to even make a difference to say that, listen, there's a problem in the system, you know, and why is it that business people and average people have to climb in now to sort of pick up those pieces where government was supposed to and had the budget and have the budget to help those people? You know, so it's something that not even my voice matters and, and not even two million citizens would matter. Um, you know, it's, it's going to go to a point and, and it will drop right there. So it's like, you know, you're preaching to, yeah, you're preaching yeah. to the deaf. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I say. It is sad to say that. And, and I don't like saying it. I never want to get political. I never want to want to dwell in it because you're just going to get ripped to pieces mm -hmm. and rather just stay out of it. You know, um, I'm just going to do what I have to do, do my part, bring positive messaging is what I'm always about. Yeah. You know, everything I do and post about, and, and it's all about positivity. Uh, and and you, can't, you can't floor that because I'm just trying to put a message out there that people can do the same for themselves. And if you don't get something out of it, that you get something good from it and say, you know what? Hey, geez, I can also do something. And I can also feel as good about doing it. You know, so... It's just about that positive messaging for all of us to go and make a difference. And I know that's a huge statement to make because it's like it'll go probably in someone's ear now and out the ear and go, okay, I heard what he said, but I'm carrying on with my life right now. You know, so, I could, yeah, it's, it's really if people pick these pieces up, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what difference we can all make together. But also, if we collectively make small differences, those, difference, those differences will snowball. And the, the more change you enact, the more change will happen. 
And that difference, like you were saying earlier, you can't change the world. You can, you can change the world for one person and that's their world changed. And you have that power. You, you definitely have that power. Um, I want to end off on a, on a happy note. Um, Cause we kind of, we, we, we hit a little low there. Um, I would love to know with all of this working and hustling and, and foundationing and, and all of the things that you do, what does an entrepreneur, billionaire, businessman with discipline do for fun? Hmm. Please don't say work. You're not allowed to say work. You're not allowed to say anything. I'm not going to say work. Listen, <laughs> I, the last two and a half years has been a lot of hustle. I must just say that um, obviously for obvious reasons, we don't need to get into it, but um, yeah, I mean, I love training. I love movies. Um, I'm a movie addict. You know, ask me for a review. I'll tell you a good review or bad. Um, you know, and, and I love cars. I love racing. You know, I don't really get around to doing a lot of it uh, of late, but those are my sort of three passions. Um, and uh, yeah, I think if you talk about actual fun, spending quality time with the person that I love and, you know, making sure that I'm good with everybody. And those are all nice things, right, that you wake up to. And um, yeah, I have two pugs and they're, they're a handful. Um, they definitely keep, uh, keep me busy if I see them. And uh, yeah, that's general things really. I'm a really basic guy. You know, there's nothing really complicated about me. Um, that's what's most interesting is that as long as I have my little things, I'm very, very happy. I don't need to have extravagant trips and go places and do things. And um, I really don't get caught up in that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah. Good, good to know you're a human and not a reptile or a robot or whatever conspiracy is happening at the moment. It's good to know this. Yeah, <laughs> an alien of some okay. sort. <laughs> oh, Kristen, thank you for your time. This has been incredible. And I hope to, to have you back um, soon because I think that there's a lot more that we can unpack that we couldn't do in this first hour. Definitely. I really appreciate it. This was a, actually a very nice interview. Thank you. Oh, thank um, you. It was a very pleasant one. I didn't dwell too deep into technical aspects of companies and business and stuff, which I can. Um, you know, I think that's something that I would be gladly, um, gladly want to talk about in the future. Sure. Um, we've got a lot of exciting projects that I'm busy with at the moment. And, and definitely things that your listeners would love to hear about the evolution of where money is going and evolution of what we're busy with as um, the crypto bank that we just launched. And obviously the first, first world global crypto bank. And um, that's going to be an interesting topic conversation as well. So look forward to hopefully speaking to you about that in the coming oh, future. No, definitely. But you're going to have to bring your patience because Danny is from Brackpan and she knows nothing about any of the crypto things. So I'm, I'm here for that's it. Good. I'm here to learn. <laughs> good. I think everybody needs to. I think the digital re revolution is here. Mm. And if we don't get in now, we're going to have to eventually get in anyway because every, every global economy is going digital. And um, yeah, it's just about learning the basic 101 handbook on it, I suppose. You don't have to be the, the master of it or a professor on it. You just got to know the basics, I think. And once you get into it, you'll start understanding it and start understanding how interesting and, and sexy it can be for your future, for, for growth. So, yeah. You have far more faith in us than I think we deserve. But I mean, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay. We'll remain okay. cautiously optimistic about this. <laughs> but no, that's sure. a promise. You then you, you now you have to come back because now it's on it's on the it's on the record. 
I'm, I'm ready when you are anytime. Awesome. So, Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Okay. For, um, you can go to www.100makingadifference.com to go get the book, go see the book. Obviously, your foundations, um, do you want to tell us where we can go and read up my, about them? Yeah, um, obviously the Kunfana Berg Foundation, QDEB Foundation, Generosity Water SA, and the Acts of Generosity. So it's all pretty much under those, those names. Um, like I say, we don't really uh, raise money from anybody, so it's not about fundraising at all. It's really just about the mission and about the goodwill and having a good message out of it. And we, we do post about it. So just follow the journey, I like to say, because it's an exciting one for me because I'm directly involved with it and my team and we put a lot of effort and work into it on a day-to-day basis. I have a full team that does it. So, you know, they're very dedicated and very passionate and have a big heart for giving back. Uh, recently, we just did a, a pug rescue, by the way. So that was actually a very exciting. It was the first time I did a animal sanctuary sort of, um, uh, sort of job, um, sort of like a foundation give back. And it was probably my most exciting one because... They're such cute creatures, you know, and you just look at them and say, geez, they're so innocent, you know, and, and, and here they are, you know, in, in a home. And there's hundreds of them that are needing help. And I think the SPCA is the same thing and stuff. So I'm, I'm starting to focus a little bit more on my energy there as well is on animals and you know, pet sort of rescues and stuff like that. So it's going to be an interesting year this next year because we are diversifying into that as well. But, yeah. Okay. I have a challenge for you. Before our next Zoom, I would like to invite you to come and walk with me at Border Collie Rescue. We walk dogs on a Saturday morning. So please bring bring your um, checkbook and your open mind and your nice shoes. No, not your nice shoes, your worst shoes. And come and walk with us. Okay, but before we say goodbye, where can we find more about you and where can we follow you and your adventures? So if you go to my page, it's uh, Um It's my name and surname.com. And everything, all the information on the foundations, the work we do, um, companies and everything else will be on there. Um, Instagrams as well, same thing, Quinn van der Berg. And obviously all my initiatives, uh, entrepreneurial talking, and obviously all the goodwill we do is pretty much my personal page. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Quinson, thank you again, and we'll see you soon. Remember, you can catch the full video on xotv.me. And you can meet us in kind of real life. Thanks to DJ Chalk for the music. You can catch him at www.chalksprosound.co.za. New episodes on Jackpot and XOTV every Monday. Love you.